He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellottified, the one, the only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here as I am every single week with the delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postalidis. Hey, Opa! <laughs> Got it right this time. You did, you did. Hi, everyone. So good to see y'all. Oh, what's on your mind today, Alex? Well, we talk about it all the time, about us Greeks and our parties and our rituals, and we invented them. So, you know, this morning I woke up thinking, pote mean afriti kreto ala. But can you say it three times fast? Say it again. <laughs> Poti mean afrite kreto ala. And that means? It means never have a mole removed. N- say that again. Never have a mole removed. But why? I, well, I, just, I just had one removed like three oh, months ago. What's oh, going to happen? Oh, wait a minute. Have you been noticing anything bad happening? Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm pleading the fifth until I hear uh, what Okay, I well, anymore. the reason you don't is that mole could be your twin. <gasps> and if you sever the tie between you and your twin, he or she could curse you, probably will curse you from beyond. Okay, so I, well, the trash compactor stopped working. <laughs> see. The dogs chewed a little bit out of the door frame. Okay. So maybe I'm maybe I am suffering here and I didn't even know it. Oh, oh my Magafi Moo. Alright, well I gotta tell you. So this happened in my family, right? Um, my cousin Aphrodite was about to graduate from college. And of course, as we do, we were gonna have a big party for her, right? That's what we Greeks do. So now she's a really beautiful woman, but she had this mole right there on her chin. She decided to have it removed before her graduation and the, you know, and the party, right? She wanted to look really good. So the day of the graduation came and her cap and gown went missing. The university lost her diploma. Her heel broke as she was climbing the steps to the stage, causing her to stumble and knock down the dean. Brokenhearted, she went back to her seat in tears. But, Yaya. After the ceremony and before the party, Yaya took her to a tattoo parlor to put Zimol Bic. Bic. (laughs) Bic. Fooling Aphrodite's twin. Curse was reversed. She was reunited with her mole. She was with her twin. And life was anew again. It was. That makes sense to me. (laughs) And actually, that kind of reminds me of a little tip that I have. Ooh. Let's get tipsy. And my tip today is never burn a bridge, or I, as I have said many, many times, never give them a reason to not call you. Now, you may have heard it said, or maybe you haven't, but the meetings and event industry is as small as it is big. 
It is also built on and heavily relies on relationships. So it is in fact good business to forge and maintain solid relationships, not only with those you perceive as being future purchasers, but those too from which you purchase, and even those on the periphery, as they are all part of your supply chain and integral to the success of your business. So to remain on their speed dials, be someone on whose integrity and partnership everyone can trust. Do what you say you will do, and remember that when times are at their toughest, it may be tough to concede anything, but that's when your partners get to see what you are truly made of and the real value of your partnership. That's my tip of the day. I am going to tell you how much I love that because one of the things I live by, do what you say, mean what you say, and follow through. I got to tell you, it goes a long way in business. It goes a longer way than many of the other business practices that we practice. So I guarantee that if you just focus on serving others and doing exactly what I just said, you'll remain in business for a long time. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! Who do we have today, Miss Alex? I can see you uh, bubbling with excitement and enthusiasm. So I am. It is. It's really good. It's super, super good. I mean, I I think we can credit him for the reason we're here. I have to say that. Absolutely. um, uh, So our, our guest today is the founder of Cali Barbecue Media. He is a podcast host. He is a business coach and a very proud dad which I love. Thank you for, I love that he includes that. Since opening Cali Barbecue in 2008, he has grown his San Diego restaurant and media company into a global brand using digital tools and smartphone storytelling. His restaurant influencers show, so let me say that again, because I want to get that smoothly. His restaurant influencers show on Entrepreneur reached over 12 million fans in its first year of production. And he has interviewed the biggest names in the media, hospitality, and creator space, including, I'm going to geek out now, Chef yes. Emeril Lagasse, Rob Deerdeck, Chef Robert Irvine, and Sam, the cooking guy, just to name a show, uh, to name a few. I'm such a geek when it comes to chefs. As a restaurateur who opened during the Great Recession, as he calls it, Sean learned to use the power of the internet to stay in business. During the pandemic, Cali Barbecue Media developed a scalable growth plan that is three times more profitable than the traditional full-service restaurant model. So please welcome our guru, our friend, the incomparable Sean P. Walshev. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so I'm so grateful and so proud of you. I, uh, I I talk to business owners in the restaurant space, the hospitality space, the event space. Basically, any business owner on earth, I believe, can be their own media company. And the fact that you guys are already over 100 shows, what you're doing for the events, and uh, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to see you doing the work and becoming your own media company. And I hope anybody that's listening understands that the internet is a place where your story matters. You know, so much of what I learned as a small business owner was that 
I thought that if we made great barbecue and we provided great hospitality and we gave back to the community, that our doors would be full with people, full restaurant, lines of people coming out and then TV stations and radio stations and magazines that were going to come out and find us. No one came. No one's coming to tell your story. Mm. But we have the incredible power of the internet. We have the power of the smartphone. We have the power to use audio, video, words, and images to talk about what we care about and connect with incredible people. That's why you and I met and all of us are here on this incredible journey. And this now will get broadcast to anyone, anyone on the globe that cares about live events. They can hear this incredible show. Well, thank you so much, Sean. It is really due to you and mm -hmm. our friend, Nicole Matthews, who led us to you. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at you now and I see, and we introduced you as Cali Barbecue Media, which already makes one wonder, well, what in the world could that be? It's not just Cali Barbecue, it's Cali Barbecue Media. So there's so much to unpack with you, but <laughs> we have a tradition yes. and that is to uh, enable our listeners to get to know you a little better with something we call 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions? Yeah. Ten quick questions. Oh. So here you go. Question number one. You have two minutes on the clock. Alex watches the time for us. Number one, the first thing that comes to mind, Sean, do you believe in miracles? Yes. When was the last time you tried something new? Yesterday. What was it? What did I try new yesterday? I try something new every day. My my goal in life is to be as uncomfortable as possible. And I found that the more uncomfortable that I am, the more growth I have, both as a as a husband, as a father, and as a leader. Boy, that's great advice. That really is. What's your personal rib of choice? Uh, St. Louis <laughs> St. Louis rib. And what is the most memorable live concert show or festival you've ever experienced? Probably would be Pitbull and Enrique Iglesias with my wife at Sports, San Diego Sports Arena. Wow. Now, was your wife on stage with them or were you no, seated with your wife? No, we were. I was seated with my wife. We just, wow. uh, we, we love, we love Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. He knows mm -hmm. how to put on a show. That's yes, what he does. does. He does. Leads me to another famous icon. If Mickey Mouse weren't famous, would you barbecue? Uh, would you have him over to your house for barbecue? That's Absolutely. Good for you. What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? One thing that I wish I could stop doing. Maybe caffeine. Oh. Did you play with barbecue as a kid? No. How about just Barbie? Did you play with her? I didn't play with Barbie. But that was a good question, wasn't it? It was a good, it was a good question. It was a good question. No, no Barbie and no barbecue. Neither one of them. <laughs> what about steak tartare? Tasty delicacy or cook raw meat? Uh, cook the meat. I'm more of a cook the meat. I like I it. I like it raw, but steak tartare is a little too raw for me. Yeah, that's a that's a that is definitely a, a taste that one has to uh, uh, come to. Yes. Last question: Do you recommend opening restaurants during recessions today? Yes, as long as you redefine what it is to open up a restaurant. Being a food entrepreneur is much more exciting than being a restaurant brick and mortar restaurant owner in the in the traditional sense. That's our 10 quick questions. That was pretty easy for you. Thank you for playing. Thank that might for... have been fastest in recorded history. Yes. <laughs>
So I think the question on everybody's mind today is how does media transfer to barbecue sales for Sean Welchef? How do you actually see that happen? So the the question that I get the most, we've been podcasting since 2017 and 2017 is really when we became a barbecue media company where I started leading with the fact that we are a barbecue media company. Our URL for our website is literally calibbq.media, so much so that we make it as easy as possible to buy barbecue online, but then we also lean into content. So audio, video, words, and images. And the problem that most people have is that we all know that our business needs to be on social media. We need to be on Facebook. We need to have a website. We need to do email marketing. We need to be on Instagram. Well, now we need to be on TikTok. We need to be on, on LinkedIn. But we all want somebody else to do it. We all want someone else to be the producers, the creators. And for me, what I've learned is that every single day, I'm producing and I'm creating. I just need to learn how to publish it, which is why our thesis is smartphone storytelling. When we think media, we think of ABC and ESPN and Fox and all of these huge media properties. Well, the internet has removed the friction of building an audience. And we think of audiences as like, I need to go to local news channel, KUSI or Fox 5 or CBS in order for me to promote my barbecue. We're grateful that we have relationships now with those local news stations. Mm -hmm. but the reason we developed those relationships was because we learned how to tell our story online. We learned how to tell our story on Facebook and on Instagram and on TikTok and on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And by doing that, now we have relationships and stages where we can go and get on the local news before Super Bowl Sunday. And we mm -hmm. spend, you know, the time in the back lot with Raul and Shally, and they're talking about our barbecue. Mm -hmm. But also while we're on the back lot, the power of the news is that goes out to however many hundreds of thousand people in San Diego that watch that. But what's even more powerful is I'm capturing the content with my smartphone and publishing it on Instagram, publishing on TikTok, publishing on LinkedIn, publishing on Twitter, all of these different social media platforms, sharing with the community of other restaurant owners, other business owners, other barbecue lovers, other media producers. Hey, this is what we're doing. What are you guys doing for Super Bowl? We're starting a conversation. We're building community. Mm -hmm. You know, so much of what we do, we call it starting a digital flash mob. How do you start a flash mob? How do you start a flash? It starts man? organically. It starts organically, but it starts with one one person who looks crazy in the middle of the town square. Correct. You're the only person that's dancing to the music. Right. You're the only one that hears the music. Hopefully so for when just you, a few moments. Yes. So when you start, when you started this podcast, you told people in the industry that you were going to start a podcast. You were the crazy per people in the square. Mm -hmm. People are like, why would you start a podcast? How is that going to lead to new business? Well, it doesn't directly lead to new business. It leads to the most important thing, which you talked about in the beginning of the show, was relationships. Mm -hmm. It allows you to focus your curiosity, what you believe in, who you have built relationships within to share their story. Now, through that story and through internet publishing, you've become your own media company. And because of that, it gives you opportunities to have deeper conversations than any of the other networking that you used to do. We went to, or I should say, I went to the podcast movement uh, conference and learned a few of these uh, tidbits. And one of them was in how we bring people onto the show. And, you know, we were taught to think 
initially we thought we'll just bring people on that we know and we like and then we were taught to think well we should be reaching out to people we don't know people yes. that might be potential clients yes. and you know giving them an invitation to be on the show rather than hitting them with our sales speak absolutely and we're finding that that's working and i got to say if it if it wasn't for you i don't think we would be doing as well today as we were no. when we started this 2 years ago because you're right. We got to use it as a way to keep people informed about who we were and what we were doing at a time when nobody wanted to talk with us or yep. buy from us. And when the tide turned again and business started to come back, I do believe we were first on people's minds because they knew we were back in business. We had stayed yes. in business. We were still around. You know, they didn't have to make a call or send an email and hope that we were. So Yes, 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 yes. Everything you're saying is right on. But talk to us about smartphone storytelling. That's a that caught me when I read that smartphone storytelling and what kind of stories you tell as a barbecue provider. So the the basic premise is to be the show, not the commercial. The problem that all business owners have is that we think we need to make a commercial about our business that we need to have this overly produced 30 second Super Bowl worthy commercial of barbecue at my business, of drone footage, of people eating at a full bar. That's not what the internet wants. What the internet wants is authentic mm -hmm. communication. They want to know the things that we don't get to see. I don't, I always get to see the barbecue. Well, show me the technology. So toast, the title, the primary technology partner that we have in our restaurant, I make B2B content as a restaurant owner. And this is the case study that I use to teach other business owners that it's easy, especially as a restaurant owner to make B2C content, business content to consumer content. We know that I want to sell ribs. So I'm going to take, you know, a video of people cooking ribs on our smokers, taking the ribs off. And then all of a sudden that's going to lead to someone coming into a restaurant to buy ribs. Well, what do I do? I do what no one else is doing back to being uncomfortable. I have a video of me and my general manager, Eric, unboxing our point of sale technology, our hardware and our software that we're going to use to improve our digital hospitality within our restaurant. Now, everybody back to the town square thinks why you're crazy. Why do you think any of your customers are going to care about you and your technology? Well, I'll tell you that everything else on the internet is ribs. It's, it's, it's uh, burgers, it's sushi. It's everyone doing the same things over and over. It's making commercials. What we're doing is being the show. We're bringing people into the story, letting people know, not just our customers, but other restaurant owners who follow us, this stuff matters. The internet matters to our business in Spring Valley. The internet matters with who we're partnering with. Guess what? Toast, $13 billion company. They have 4,000 employees. Do you think they care about the user-generated content from me as a business owner making a video about how much this technology is going to help impact our business? Absolutely. They care so much that literally now I sit on their customer advisory board. I, they are the title sponsor of our show with Entrepreneur. I'm doing deals with them all week. They've, they've uh, all year, they've re-upped our sponsorship. They've proven by working with Toast, working for Toast as a business to business, we pay for things all the time. We make decisions in our business every single day of who we work with, why we work with them, why we're spending money on them, why we pick them over other people. We just don't make content about it. If you make content with your smartphone and you publish that content on LinkedIn, 
you're going to have an oh shit experience because all of a sudden everything else on LinkedIn, it's sell, sell, sell. I got promoted. Look at my new job. Look at my award. Well, now you're giving something valuable to everyone else in your vertical of going, thank you. I had no idea, Anthony. I had no idea. This is why you pick who you pick for the stage. I picked this vendor for a reason. And this is what they do. They, this is the process that they do. Nobody shows that because no one thinks that anyone cares. We always try to go, oh, I want, I want millions of people to see the content. I need a viral video. All you need is one person that listens to this podcast that goes, Anthony, thank you so much for inspiring me to post a video on LinkedIn. That's all I hope for. When I go and I talk to business owners, no one's coming to, and I don't care if you're the CEO. I don't care if you're the founder. I don't care if you're an engineer, you're in sales, you're in marketing. I don't care what position you are. No one's going to come and tell your story. The internet needs you to be top of mind. And the more that you're a thought leader as a sales professional, as a marketing professional, as a CEO, as an engineer, whatever you do, tell your story. I have a, one of our closest friends, Bulgarian, came to our house for the Super Bowl Sunday. He's a musician. He plays music professionally in a band. He also teaches music. He, I'm telling him, you need to tell your story. He goes, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, how many people on earth would love, absolutely love to full-time say that music pays their bills? Mm -hmm. Who were you 10 years ago? You had to figure this whole thing out. How did you get your first gig? Show us the gig. Talk to us about the gig. By using your smartphone and telling your story, you're building a community. Mm -hmm. How many people want to be a musician? They want to have their first, their first student. How much do you charge your first student? How did you get your first student? How'd you get your second student? It happens every single day. The things that we do in life, those that are willing to be uncomfortable, to start your digital flash mob, to start moving to the music and publishing on TikTok when everyone tells you you're crazy. Why? Who do you think you are? Starting to, you know, you're doing videos on Instagram. You think you're an Instagram influencer? No, I'm just publishing stuff that I believe in, that I already do every single day. What's the one, the very first step? What's the, the easy thing to, yes, we want to get people out of the comfort zone. What's the comfort, the one comfortable thing that's out of your comfort zone to get someone started? So it, it, it always comes down to ego. And it always comes down, which is why I talk about the phone and I talk about the most important app, the most important app that we all have. This isn't iPhone specific or Android specific. It's the camera app and not just a photo, but a video by taking the camera out of your pocket and by filming a video of 60 seconds of one lesson or one story of who you are, what you do, why you picked whatever you picked in your business, what you're working on, what your dreams are, why you started your business, how you found your business partner, by learning how to talk to your smartphone and then hit publish on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. So many business owners, we go, well, this is my business Facebook account, and this is my personal Facebook account, or this is my personal Instagram, and this is my business. I only have one life. Mm -hmm. You're going to get all of my life. If you go on my Instagram, you're going to see stuff about the chargers. You're going to be see stuff about me being a dad. You're going to see trips when I go to Bulgaria with my wife in the village. You're going to see me unboxing toast point of sale technology. You're going to see me podcasting. You're going to see all of it because literally I'm just doing what I do in real life. I'm just publishing it online. 
And do you care? I'm sorry, Alex. Do you care what kind of response those nope. posts get? You don't rate nope. them. You don't say, well, this so, kind of post gets more feedback than this kind of, you just post. It's, it's the skill of storytelling. By learning the skill, the answer to the internet, we all want a quality video. We all want quality content. The answer is quantity plus speed plus consistency equals quality. The problem is we want quality first and it yes. doesn't happen without right. quantity. You've got to put out a bunch of bad videos. You got to make a bunch of bad podcasts. You got to write a bunch of bad articles and you got to do it with speed. The more that you do it with speed and the more that you do it with consistency, eventually you'll have a data set and you go, I like that video more, even though it didn't get much more engagement. Let's make more of that video. Let's do more of that podcast. I think so, oh, I just, I'm so sorry, Alex. <laughs> I just learned uh, in my in my master's uh, curriculum to fail and fail fast. Yep. And boy, that's great advice. And I I need to hear that more than anybody because the quality issue for me is always has always been paramount. Yes. Uh, so wow, but the, really good advice. What's yeah. what is amazing to me is that once we embrace the vulnerability of not producing quality content, we actually endear ourselves to the audience more. The more that I talk to business owners and business leaders and people that finally buy into smartphone storytelling, they say, I can't tell you how many people responded to the selfie video that I posted on LinkedIn. They told me, thank you for having the courage to do that. I've wanted to do that. Thank you for stuttering and saying that you stuttered in the video. These are all the reasons that stop us from publishing. Yeah. We're scared of what other people think. Yes. So don't edit. No. Record it and send it. Don't look at it. Don't Post edit it. it. Don't worry about it. Post it. The only way we learn is by posting. The only way we learn is by failing. Well, interestingly enough, I'm back in school as well, and I'm tasked with something that I've never had to do. And I keep reminding myself every day as I get bogged down by fear about yeah. it, is that what is the worst that can happen? I've already learned so much. What is yes. the worst that can happen with this one research paper? I don't get an A. That's yeah. the absolute worst thing that's going to happen to me. Have I learned? Have yeah. I grown? Am I on a, a, a path that I want to be on? All those answers are yes. Getting over the need to be perfect and get that A plus is something I think we all need. We need to let go of perfectionism yeah. so we can move on. And what, what if about, it all what what if it all works out? Yeah. What then? What then? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so what about what if the, I get an A? I think you've just answered this question, but what about all of the detractors out there who uh probably continue to tell you you're you're full of crap and you 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 know your barbecue isn't that good. Let me see if I can find any uh you you really don't know what you're doing. I mean, you must hear this from time to time. And what does Sean do in response when he hears these things or sees these things written? I mean, humans are humans. We love humans and every village is the same. So there's amazing people in every village. And then there's people that aren't that amazing in every village. And that's the same in real life as it is online. All that I know is that as business owners, business leaders, people that are artistic, people that are creative, we are literally living through the internet revolution, the ability to connect with anyone on the globe. My grandfather, 
who raised me. I never met my father. My grandfather was born in a Bulgarian village, born to be a farm boy, but it was his love of reading, his love of curiosity that allowed him to read every single book in his village. He had to walk to another village to go get more books. Wow. That is how he built his, that's how he eventually became a medical doctor during World War II, immigrated over here. But if he, in 1919, had the power of the internet in his village, he wouldn't have had to leave his village. He wouldn't have had to walk next door. He wouldn't have had to endure all of that hardship. We have everything at our fingertips. We have YouTube. We have podcasts. We have Harvard education if we want to get it. Mm -hmm. We also have the ability to publish, to share our thoughts, to share our ideas. But we don't think our ideas are good enough. And I'm here to tell you, your ideas are good enough. You have a unique perspective. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this show, you are part of a small group of people that yearn to be better. We know that we do not have the answers. We yearn to be better. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to a podcast. The only reason you listen to a podcast is because you're a curious person. But it's that's step one. Step two is to get involved, to make that selfie video, make that uncomfortable video, start your digital mob, flash mob, start dancing and see what happens. And then finally ask for help. Mm. Now you One of the hardest lessons that I learned was asking for help, mm -hmm. was understanding there's people that are playing this game that I'm playing at a level higher than me. And now there's no barriers for entry. I can literally send a DM. I can send an email. And what happens if they don't respond? So what? I'll ask somebody else. Right. I, Do you I think... think Go ahead. We, we're <laughs> both so, you know, know. We're, we're, you know like, do you do you, I wonder is, is part of the reason people don't ask for help is a fear of looking inadequate. Absolutely. I have the same fear. I mean, I so I, I it's funny because I talk about, you know, the storytelling portion of Internet publishing of posting on social media, but we have the same fear when it comes to technology. You know, I made fun of my business partner back in 2007, Lou Bush, who played for the Chargers. He was an op opening up a barbecue restaurant at the time. He told me he was going to go wait in line in Fashion Valley for an iPhone. I said, why would you do that? How could a phone be so good that you're going to go treat it as if it was, you know, some rock concert where you're going to spend four hours in line. And yet here I am now with an iPhone. You know, I make fun of people that my business partner at the restaurant, Corey Robinson, when we opened for being on Facebook, I thought he was just doing it to pick up girls until I realized <laughs> until I realized like we couldn't pay our bills. We couldn't pay payroll. No one was coming in. I can claim a free Facebook page as a business owner and publish content and all of a sudden build a community and let people know what was going on in our restaurant. Like all of these things. We have fears about adopting technology, of not knowing how to use our smartphone, of not knowing how to use an app or publish a reel on Instagram or, you know, make a short form video and edit it so it looks good, so it looks on brand. That's not what anybody wants. Like what we want is someone to have the courage to step up and do what we're all unwilling to do. And the authenticity that you are mm -hmm. representing when you're online and the various uh, platforms that you're using matters because yeah. people can see across those platforms. This is the same Sean Walchef. This is the same guy. This all fits together. There's authenticity there and that makes you more likable. And I assume coming to your restaurant a bit more uh, desirable, you know, people yeah. want to get to get closer. Well, it, it goes beyond that because in the beginning, the joke was why would anyone listen to a podcast and then come in and buy barbecue? 
well, we've been podcasting for six years. And, you know, as you said in the bio, we reached over 12 million people with our show on entrepreneur restaurant influencers. Now people aren't coming to buy barbecue. They're coming to talk about investing in technology. I'm literally have the top people that are on publicly traded companies. When they fly to San Diego, they come to spring Valley, wow. like little spring Valley. We are a tech hub for the most important hospitality technology companies in the world. And that's all because we're willing to have conversations that people are unwilling to have and publish those conversations. An entrepreneur is another, uh, is it a subsidiary of Cali Barbecue Media? No, so Entrepreneur is Entrepreneur Magazine. So there- It is amazing. Entrepreneur Magazine. That is at Entrepreneur Magazine. So we are partners with Entrepreneur Media. They are our distribution partner. So we produce the show, we give it to them, and then they distribute it to their audio network, video network, and then all their website traffic and social traffic. It's amazing what, that you've built that. What do you say to the person or people who just kind of roll their eyes and say, I, I, it's too much. I don't want to do it. I'm too tired. Can't I just have a business? Do I have to do all this stuff? Are you talking well, about me, Alex? No, <laughs> not at okay. all. Feels you, like me. No, my God. You're like, you're the busiest person <laughs> Sean, I know, practically. Sean, talk to me. What, well, what do you tell me? So it's easy. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's easy because that's why I call it smartphone storytelling is you just go, go, go and see how much time you're spending on your phone. I mean, huh? have an honest conversation with yourself of how much time are you spending on your phone? How much time are the loved ones that you care about spending on their phone? How much are the people in your office spending on their phone and what apps are they using? Just pull it up. I mean, th th this is open data that we mm -hmm. all have at our fingertips that we don't look at. So if people yeah. in your office are on Facebook for 40% of their time and you guys aren't producing content on Facebook, that's a problem. If they're on email for 20% of that time and you're not sending out emails, there's your answer. So it's all about you, perception. It's all about being top of mind and producing mm -hmm. and, and the path of least resistance. You know, that's why I call it smartphone storytelling because I have a media team. Rising Tides Creative, they do an incredible job for all of my long form content when I'm interviewing, you know, the people that I want to pitch for our streaming shows because we want to have a show on Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of the streaming networks. I have a team that helps me produce that professional content, but I don't talk about that ever because that will stop a business owner from doing the thing that is the easiest to do. And that's taking out their phone and saying, I'm here in my barbershop. I'm here at my studio. I'm about to paint. This is a time lapse of me creating whatever I create. Whatever you create matters. Someone else on earth is trying to create the same thing. They're not competition. But we think about storytelling as, and maybe that's where we get a little hung up because we think about storytelling as a beginning, a middle and an end. Yep. So when you're, when you have decided, oh, this would make a great story, how do you go about turning whatever that is into a story? So you're you're uh, you were talking about unpacking the toast. The toast, yes. What 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 about that? Shouted out to you. Oh, this this will make a great story, and and I can do this this and this and this, and boom, you start. So, so much of what I've realized is that, you know, back to be the show, not the commercial, the commercial is produced. The commercial gives you those plot lines. Life happens and we don't do a good job of documenting life. The story happens when you want to know 
well, Sean, how have you always been successful? Have you always been in restaurants? Well, no, I was rejected by three law schools, all three law schools in San Diego. Well, really? Yes, I actually have the law school framed rejection letters here in my office. Stupid. That's people. part of the story, but that becomes part of the story. Mm -hmm. When I'm having a conversation with Toast and their sales team and Allie, who's the sales rep and Will, who's the manager is saying, we would love to have you on Toast platform. We think you would be great. I'm telling them we're a barbecue media company and they laugh at me and they go, yeah, that, yeah, right. And I go, no, we're a barbecue media company. We're going to create podcast content, written content, TikTok content, LinkedIn content, and we want a better deal because that's what we're going to do. And they go, well, a lot of people tell us a lot of things. And I say, well, I'm not like a lot of people. Why? Because I'm going to show you after this meeting, once we do get on toast of the video that I'm going to make unboxing the toast video, I unbox the toast video, publish it on YouTube, publish it on podcasts. That toast video within three days was shared company wide by the CEO, Chris Comparato to the entire company. Look what this restaurant's doing with our technology. Yes. That CEO, I have the same conversation with Will again. Now do you start to believe? Yes, I start to believe. Now we start to do other things together. Then I get invited to the Toast's IPO on Wall Street. I'm there with my general manager. We're at, at, a, at, at that point, they had 30,000 restaurants. We were one of 20 restaurants. We had only been on the platform for two years. One of 20 restaurants invited to the IPO in New York. Wow. All of this stuff all happens because of the deep thesis and everything that we're talking about. Whoever's listening to this show, every single company, every brand on earth needs storytelling and they need internet storytelling and they need it on all these platforms. Could I just uh, revert back to my tip of the day, which was not only to keep those relationships going with your purchasers and those you purchase from, but those also on the periphery. Your, your story about Toast is exactly representative of one of those because Toast is basically yep. a vendor. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And, you, and and by doing what you did, by sharing your experience with them, you may not have gotten more barbecue clients, but you cemented a relationship with that vendor that has become more valuable to you than maybe the half a dozen clients that barbecue Absolutely. clients that might have been watching that and said, I want barbecue. Right. It's the, the long haul. It's much, it's worked out much better for you. So it's a good representation of exactly that. Well, it's, it's understanding that every single business owner, you are a case study if you want to be one. And what do I mean by that? Like, we are not the only customer that Toast has. So if I, people need testimonials. Right. So Anthony, you, you produced for me. I would need a testimonial on my website. Well, what's better than a testimonial? It's video. Give me a video testimonial. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to do what other people are unwilling to do, if you're willing to host a show to bring another business owner on to talk about their business, how they struggled, how they succeeded, what they're building, what they plan on building into the future, and you give them these digital assets that come in the form of a podcast, a video, social media assets, things that they can use to help magnify, amplify their story, all you need is one person. All you well, need is one person to hear your message and find out who you are, what you do. I mean, because I know. Just because of this relationship of Nicole introducing me to you and your team, I know that if there's anything having to do with events, I'm running it by you first. And we've never done business together, but that doesn't mean that we won't do business in the future. That's right. 
That's right. You have that's no exactly idea. Right. I could become one of your biggest sales sales engines in five that's years. That's right. That's exactly right. And I know that because of the work that I'm doing. So when I'm having conversations with people, because I'm willing to produce content that no one else is willing to produce, I know that I could be the best sales agent for any of these technology companies that I work with, for the US foods, for the beer company, for any of them, because I create content that lives on the internet. So when salespeople are sleeping, someone's on YouTube searching, mm -hmm. someone's on TikTok searching. And, and you don't uh, operate from fear, it sounds like to me. You're not afraid of giving away any secrets. You're not afraid of uh, perhaps communicating something to the world that gets to a uh, a competitor. Yep. And you know, you're not afraid of that, right? Because I have to assume that would just wouldn't work in your situation and be anathema to everything you're trying to do. A rising tide lifts all leaderships. We truly believe in the rising tide. We've never competed with any other barbecue brand in San Diego. We've invited them to a barbecue festival that we hosted and organized outside of our restaurant. We literally promote them. We put them on the podcast. Every single barbecue brand is unique. I mean, the, the, the case study that we use is, is craft beer in San Diego. Stone was better because of Ballast Point, was better mm -hmm. because of Carl Strauss. They yes. collaborated. There is an abundance of beer drinkers on earth. But the problem is we think of Coke and Pepsi. It's like the Coke and versus Pepsi wars. We're going to be secretive. We're not going to share our information. The more that we share, the more that we're willing to do what other business owners are unwilling to do, the deeper the relationships and the bigger the relationships that we're having on the industry. Last night, as I was reading, I was reminded of the saying, and it is, it's fear. F period, E period, A period, R period. Mm -hmm. False evidence, False evidence appearing, appearing real. real. That's scarcity, exactly right? Living scarcity. in a world, that, live, living in a world of scarcity versus abundance. Mm -hmm. We know from, I mean, I'm here in San Diego. My backdrop in my podcast studio is the city of New York. This is a reminder. Every single show that I do is that everything that comes out of my mouth, it matters here in Chula Vista. It matters where my restaurant is in Spring Valley. It matters in New York City. It matters in Tokyo. It matters in my wife's village in Bulgaria. All of this stuff that we're talking about, it matters. I have same conversations that I'm having here with you. I have them in Bulgaria with people that own restaurants, bars, clothing companies. And guess what we talk about? We talk about the internet. We talk about their ability to build an audience on Instagram, on TikTok, to not have to go and advertise on their local news channel to reach people that would come in and buy their suits. We have everything we need in our fingertips. Mm. We're just waiting for permission. You don't need permission. You've got to get over yourself and get over your own fear and realize mm -hmm. that it's all through reps, quantity, speed, consistency. Eventually you'll get to quality. Very, very good uh, uh, information to share. Thank you. Absolutely. So I have to ask this, what if anything is different now than it was pre-pandemic for you in business? Our belief. I knew when we first started the show and started podcasting that this was the right thing to do, but I have my own fears, my own doubts of investing our marketing dollars, our media dollars into becoming our own media company. I mean, it wasn't until last year that we got our first deal, our first brand deal with Toast, that we were actually generating media revenue for our business. You know, that's five years into this. 
And now we're part of 1% of podcasters that generate media revenue from their show. Yes, three, you are. 3 million podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And that is a small number. I believe that every business needs to have a podcast because having a podcast allows you to have a digital heartbeat of your brand. It forces you to focus on all the other things that you need to do anyways. You need to improve your website. You need to improve your, your smartphone storytelling. You need to improve your Instagram. You need to improve your Facebook. Well, podcasting makes it a pillar in your business to communicate digitally, whatever your hopes and dreams are. Hmm. How important is the team? Because a lot of people would say to, to all of this, I can't do all this. There's not enough hours in the day. How does a person do all this? It's uh, the team is, is crucial. I mean, I've got an incredible team Stover. Um, he's my producer. He's in Oregon, you know, he's in Oregon and I've only met him in real life twice. I met him because he was podcasting in 2017. He started a different barbecue show and we met the national barbecue association in Fort Worth, Texas, but he was playing the game within the game. There's a lot of people that are playing the game. I want to play the game within the game and the game within the game are the people that understand this is bigger than them. It's bigger than their brand. It's bigger than their business. The internet connects all of us in ways that we've never been connected before. All of these villages, all of these cities, we're all connected. And we do not need to go and create certain things. All we need to do is ask for help. I don't need to go make TikTok. I don't need to make YouTube. They're already there. They're free. If I don't know how to be better on YouTube, which I don't, I'm where our team is focusing on how do we be better? How do we be better? We need to reach out for people that already do it. So now as a, as a barbecue media company, you're bringing an in income, media income, yep. not just barbecue income. But may I ask, uh, since you started the podcast in 2017, have you seen a rise, a year-to-year -year rise in your barbecue sales due to the podcast? Or Yes, uh, but I don't think it's due to the podcast. It's due to what the podcast has forced us to do with digital marketing and digital storytelling. I see. So not just the content you are producing on the podcast, but how you're getting the podcast out there and also storytelling on all of those yep. platforms. Yep. It's very interesting. Uh, now, when you, I, it's funny because I was thinking about you this weekend, Super Bowl, and then I looked at Entrepreneur and I, I saw that you, I think it was Entrepreneur, maybe your website, I saw that you did get coverage, Super Bowl coverage yep. this year. Yep. Now, when when you have that coverage, do you look at the sales that come in based on that coverage and determine whether or not it was valuable Absolutely. time spent? And are you finding that's translating for you? If you do a news story or you get some coverage, do you find that translates immediately to sales or within a few days you're you're hearing the phone ring more? Is that a phenomenon that you're seeing happen? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're grateful for the relationships that we have with KUSI, with CBS, with NBC, with Fox 5. I mean, we were on KUSI on Saturday um, in their back lot for three different segments on Fox 5. On Sunday, they had a two-hour special. We were back there for two hits. Um, both of them helped drive sales. I mean, we built a barbecue business in Spring Valley with 250 seats. So we built a full service restaurant and sports bar. And everyone thinks that during Super Bowl, sports bars are packed. Well, some of them, depending if it's a fan base, you know, Philadelphia and Kansas right. City, then they are very busy. But typically it's a it's an event that's watched at home. 
Yes. And as TVs have changed and people have improved their home entertainment system, people have home parties. So we didn't even open our sports bar on Super Bowl Sunday. We were only open for five hours of online sales through Toast, through our technology partner, and we sold out a barbecue. So we have three locations, all of them sold out of barbecue. And it was, uh, it was help. It helped us because we were on local news, but it also helped going back to rethinking how restaurants do business. We have to think differently of how we get more barbecue to more people. Well, and one of those ways is through uh, services like Gold Belly. I have to yep. assume you're familiar with Gold Belly. Are yep. you on their service? Not, y- not yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually scheduled to interview the CEO of Gold Belly um, for the show for Entrepreneur. So that's, tr- so that's the power of what we're talking about. When you have a platform and you put the work in to build a platform, to build a show, now I don't need to talk to the sales rep at Gold Belly. I can have a conversation with the founder of Goldbelly to talk about a different structure in the partnership that he's willing to have with us. Why? Because I will create content as a business owner that's going live on Goldbelly, and that will be valuable as a sales tool and a marketing tool for a company that is a very big and successful nationwide company. So I just have to bring attention to this, and that is the fact that what you're doing is providing value. Mm-hmm. You're not selling. You're providing yeah. value. You're provide. You provided it to Toast. You your plan it seems is to provide it to Goldbelly as well, and that automatically pulls you in as a partner or somebody that is uh, an equal rather than somebody who is just going to make money based on our service or is going to you know be a bottom feeder and 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 earn off of our our efforts. You become a true partner, and that. Yeah really does level you up, doesn't it, in your relationships? Well, that's the the magic sauce is what we're talking about with quantity. The more that you do it, the more consistent you are with doing it. And the speed at which you do it allows you to do it better than anybody else. And if I can do it better than anybody else as a small business owner, then anyone that's listening can do it. You too can do it, but you have to take the first step. And once you do take the first step, you're going to make a lot of bad videos but you have to get over your own ego and your own fear. Once you do that, you can realize how many different opportunities, business partnership opportunities you have to make content because everybody that is in business needs internet storytelling. Everybody needs marketing. And most people are really bad at doing the marketing piece. Did you find the news media? Did the news media find you based (laughs) on all of your posting? How did that work? It's a great question. So, uh, Five years into business, like I told you, we were getting ignored. I thought that uh, the news, if we did great barbecue and, and uh, provided great hospitality, they would come knocking down our doors. I actually thought at our five-year anniversary that I'd send out a press release. I studied a bunch of you know PR books and how to write the perfect press release, sent it out, and nobody came. No one cared. They didn't care what we were doing in the community, didn't care we were a successful small business. Maybe it was just a bad pitch. But ultimately, at that time, we took the power into our own hands and started telling our own story. So by using the internet and telling our own story, now we're top of mind with all the anchors, with all the producers, with all the news station directors, with all the people that do lighting. When we go to the news, we cater for the entire news station. Most restaurants, most small businesses, if they go to the news, they do it for the segment. They make one dish. They bring one rack of ribs. This is what we're doing. This is how to do it. No, we bring food for 50 people, for 100 people. Why? Wow. Because everyone in that news station matters. 
Mm-hmm. And when they're there and they're hungry and the 4th of July comes up, who do you think they want to bring to the news? Exactly. The somebody guy who's going to be the crew. Yeah. <laughs> somebody that appreciates them. And somebody right. yeah. that will take care of them. It, it's nice to know that there are no small, small cogs. So when you are treated as if you were not just a minor cog in the wheel, yeah, that's good PR. Yeah. It's also smart because everybody mm-hmm. eats, not just right. the people that are interviewing you, but everybody on the team eats. So you feed them, you give them an opportunity to try something they might not have tried before, right? Yeah. Give them an opportunity to taste very, very smart. And, and also, I think what we fail to remember is that the news media they're looking for these kinds of contacts as well. When Super Bowl comes along, the last thing that they want to do is search for yes. the the barbecue company they want to interview. They want to know they're there mm-hmm. and it's a quick call and they can set it up. So you've been very smart in understanding that and and you've become a go-to for that reason. And the more that we do it, the better we get. You know, it's all about repetitions. You know, we were terrible. When I first was on the news, I... I I was terrified to talk about barbecue on the West coast. Do you know how many people are transplants in San Diego that are from Texas, that are mm-hmm. from St. Louis, that are from Memphis, that are from the Carolinas. They go San Diego kid talking about barbecue. What does he know? But I had to get over my own fear. Mm-hmm. I had to own our own story. Nobody was coming to tell our story. I had to do it myself. I had to have that stage fear of public speaking of speaking in front of the camera and speaking in front of the smartphone, but I had to do it. You got to keep doing it. And now we're really good at doing it. And and I have to assume hearing the detractors gets easier. (laughs) Seeing the comments that, you know, you might not want to necessarily read that gets easier over time. I I have to assume. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, the, the, the deep relationships of the things that we've built and the things that we're doing only helps ignore everything else that comes along with it. So what about um, change of gears here? What is sunrise gratitude? You know, when I was 26 years old, my brother got into a lot of trouble with the law. He was uh, um, facing some very serious consequences for something that he did. I was taking care of my grandfather. I was taking care of basically my entire family. I was the trustee of my grandfather's estate, um, responsible for my mom, his uncles, the cousins, uh, basically everybody. And uh, it was the first time that I went to therapy. A close family friend said that I should go to therapy. And when I went there, I was explaining my situation, how I was you know, basically the head of the household, trying to take care of my aging grandfather and all of his properties and everything. And um, what she said, Sean, Sean, you're an enabler. I said, what are you talking about? Like you, you're the fixer of the family. You, you go and you fix everything, but who's taking care of you? I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, Sean, when you travel on an airplane and the oxygen mask comes down and you're traveling with a family, what are you supposed to do with that oxygen mask? And I was like, I don't know, put it on myself. She's like, yes, you're supposed to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put, and I didn't have kids at the time. I didn't have a wife at the time, but as a man, you think well, I need to be chivalrous. I need to take care of everyone around me. Well, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And especially in the hospitality space, we don't take care of ourselves. We spend so much Mm -hmm. time taking care of our village, taking care of our team, taking care of everybody else and burning the candle on both ends that what I call now my sunrise gratitude practice is it's me getting up early. It's spending time on my mind, my body, and my spirit. I spend time reading, 
I spend time exercising and I spend time going outside and being with nature. So whether that's walking, whether that's running, hiking, um, I go outside. And in order to do that, that's uh, my daily practice, which I call sunrise gratitude. And when the rest of the world wakes up, you are truly ready to embrace I've, it. I've put my oxygen mask on myself. It allows me to be a better dad when my kids wake up and better husband when my wife wakes up and um, prioritize all of those things. How much time do you give yourself in the morning for that? Uh, three hours. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. So as Alex would say, you're up at oh dark early. Oh, the dark crack early. of ridiculous, as I call the crack it. Crack of ridiculous. <laughs> That's my time. That's when I shine. I go to bed at the crack of ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's when that, that works too. Yeah. I mean, I was studying until two 30 in the morning. So yeah, that works too. Well, I think there's more and more evidence around uh, the morning practices that we have and mm -hmm. our uh, productivity and our own um, ability to rise up in the world and, uh, uh, make things happen. You know, the, 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 the morning practice, the ritual does matter. And many of us wake up. The first thing we do is look at our email and start answering everybody else's questions. And that is the absolute wrong way mm -hmm. to start a day. Cause you've not put your oxygen mask on first. Yep. yep. Do you so, want to live a proactive life or a reactive life? Exactly. Exactly. I think we would all say we want to live a proactive life, but many of us in actuality do not. So thank you for that reminder. Mm -hmm. Well, I hate to say this, but we've come to what we call the nitty gritty. It's five questions that we have. We call it the Bolotified Five. <gasps> the Bolotified Five. Are you ready to answer our Bolotified Five, Sean? Absolutely. Well, I'd like to know... First of all, and I think you've mentioned a bit of this, how does work-life balance look to you? I don't believe in it. I have one life. And it all merges together. It all merges together. I love I love everything that I do every second, even the, the ups and the downs and the opportunity. Today's the greatest day of my life until tomorrow. So you're one of those, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life kind of guys. If you love what you do, I just actually heard this from uh, from my mentor. He, it's a twist on if you love what you do, it will reveal all its secrets. That is incredible advice. It's if incredible. If you love saying. what you do, it will reveal all its secrets. Do you find that when you love what you do, that the synchronicity of life falls into place, that you, those casual conversations become conversations that make you a better person, drive you deeper into what you love? Yeah, it's, I mean, so much of the philosophy is, I interviewed uh, Ryan Redondo, who runs the uh, Barnes Tennis Center in San Diego, incredible guy, he grew up playing tennis, his family was professional tennis players, and he was, he was at the point where he was playing collegiately, to the highest level, but he was depressed, he was really struggling, and he was trying to become pro. And what his coach told him and what he shared with me on the show, which I'll share with you now, is you know what, the, Ryan, you keep worrying about the, the things that you want to do. And you, you're not, you need to blossom where you're planted. Yes. We're right here right now. And if we don't blossom where we're planted, then everything in the future doesn't matter. And everything in the past that we worry about. 
blossom where you're planted, love what you do, and it will reveal its secrets. The secrets for me is having conversations like this. I know that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. When you love what you do, is it easier to deal with the things you don't love doing? Absolutely. There, ha there has to be parts of your job, your life that ugh, you really don't want to walk through it, but you have to. Am, am I right in that? Yeah, or is everything absolutely. just hunky-dory? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I would be lying to you if I told you there were things I, I mean, you know, doing the dishes, I try to do the dishes as best I can. And I own, I own a restaurant. I have dishwashers on my payroll, but I can't make my wife happy with how I do the dishes. Like, you know, it's like, those are the, those are the honest, the honest things of being, of being a husband and being married, being married to an Eastern European woman, but she makes me better. You know, she sharpens my right. side. She holds me accountable. And um, yeah, you know, uh, it's, so and you much, allow her to, you allow, allow her, her to, I allow her to, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, you're, this is not about a power struggle. It's just about no. receiving, <laughs> what, yes. receiving what's given to you and, yes. and understanding that. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. I can't believe you don't know how to wash a dish though. I, I just don't, I, I have to, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 know, how to, I know how that. to get a deal with toast done, but I can't wash any dishes. So there, There's know. ways to wash dishes and fold towels. See, it's it, it's just a thing, Sean. Yeah. I think you need to say to your wife, "Babe, I have people for this." <laughs> people, for, she's not into it. She wants me to be that person. You know what she says I've, back? I've got people for everything. She says, "I have people for that too," and it's you. That's and correct. It's you. That's, that's right. Correct. That is the correct answer. So, Sean, what's next for you? What's next for Cali Cali BBQ Media? Cali I mean, the, the the big things that we're working on is getting a streaming deal. So we'd love to get a streaming deal for one of our shows. We just launched our fourth show. So we have four podcasts, we launched a show with two other creators um, called Restaurant Idea Factory. Um, we basically needed to create more content for all the brands that keep reaching out to us to help us help them with their marketing and their storytelling. So um, yeah, you know, we're just getting started. We've got some real, real big projects. We're turning our restaurant into a media center and smokehouse. So I'm removing seats in the restaurant, adding cameras so that we can literally have an open kitchen. You know, they talk about an open kitchen, but this will be an internet open kitchen so that you can go online onto our website and see the entire barbecue process at any time. Watch our team cook barbecue um, at all hours of the day and then order wow. through Gold Belly or Uber Eats or whatever you want. Uh, you know, I can't help but think there's somebody that we need to introduce you to, Sean. Uh, and that's a friend of ours who used to direct Robert Irvine in his yes. Restaurant Impossible yes. show. Amazing. So we'll have to introduce you to Hal seriously, because he's somebody yeah. you should know and maybe will want to interview as well. Awesome. So um, is there anything new that you'd like to promote? Any uh, new sauces? One thing that I'd love to promote, we do uh, we do weekly calls on a uh, social media app called Clubhouse. So you yeah, can download I'm the app but every, every Wednesday and Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. We do calls with digital hospitality leaders, smartphone storytellers all over the globe. So it doesn't matter what business you're in. If any of the stuff resonated with you, we have uh, sales professionals, marketing professionals, content creators, restaurant owners. Um, event producers that come onto the stage. Mandy Graziano joins yes, us. Yes, just going frequently. to mention her name. Yes. Yep. So Mandy's amazing. She's one of our leaders. Uh, she comes on stage, but that way you can come on stage and share your story. You know, put and you the said 10 a.m. Wednesday and Friday? 10 a.m. Pacific time, Wednesday and Friday. Yep. I so, love Clubhouse. Yeah, please come on the show.
Mandy actually did tell me about Clubhouse and the show and because we, of course, made the connection with you. Uh, and I thank you for reminding me. I did forget that it was Wednesdays and Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Yep. Uh, and anybody can join as long anybody as you have the, club, the Clubhouse app. Yep. So um, what advice for someone wanting to start a podcast? What would you tell for, them? For somebody wanting to start a podcast? Yes. What, what, what would you tell them? This is the advice that I give everybody always. It's just something my grandfather taught me, and that's stay curious, get involved, ask for help. Wow. It's very easy. Stay curious. You wouldn't be listening to this content if you weren't a curious person, but then you actually have to get involved. If you want to start a podcast, if you want to start a website, if you want to start a blog, if you want to start a TikTok channel, YouTube channel, whatever you want to start, start. You don't need permission from anybody. It's not going to be good. The sooner that you get all the bad stuff out, the better off you'll be. And then finally ask for help. There's never been a greater time to ask people that are sitting in places that you want to sit. If you own one restaurant, you want to open up two restaurants, go to someone that owns two restaurants or three restaurants, ask them for advice. If you want to talk to someone that's published a podcast, talk to someone like you that's published a podcast. If you want to talk to someone that's done a brand deal, reach out to someone that has sponsors on their show. How did you get the sponsors? People are willing to share if you're willing to ask. That is a really good thing to share with us. Uh, I think the the inability to make the ask is what keeps a lot of us back thinking, oh, they're not going to want to hear from me. They're not going to want to help me. So how how many times did you have to call someone to get their help? How many times do you have to you know send an email? It's, I, I have to imagine that you have to be a bit tenacious yep. and always pleasant and always willing to hear no. Correct. I mean, I, I always use Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz of Starbucks, 242 times he was rejected for a bank loan. There would be no Starbucks. 242 rejections. Colonel Sanders for KFC, over a thousand rejections before his recipe finally got picked up. You name the entrepreneur, the person that you admire, the failure is there. Whether they celebrate it or not, the failure is there. I love that you're you're really driving that point home about you just got to get over yourself and know you're going to fail and fail and fail and you'll find success in that and all of that will lead you to be a better person and a better business owner and well surround yourself with other people that are willing to fail too you yes. know like the problem is we surround ourselves with people that like to tell us no because of their own fears and insecurities you've got to find communities of people that encourage you to fail yeah and I'd like to also remind our listeners that Ray Kroc, who was the founder of McDonald's, didn't actually found McDonald's until he was well in his 50s. 53. So for, yes. So for those of us who think we're too old, it's too late, just remember Ray Kroc. Yeah. He was basically a salesman until... McDonald's came along. Absolutely. Uh, something, you know, till he started that partnership. So it's never, ever, ever too late. Well, and I just want to add this. And I, this is a little woo woo. But when I was in a session with somebody last week and I and I was in a meditation and the question that came to me as I was asking a question spiritually was, would you tell your daughter not to try something because she doesn't know how to do it or because she probably won't be good at it at first? 
would you give her that advice? We all know anybody who knows me, that's a big fat resounding no. But why do I tell myself that? Right. Why do we tell ourselves that? But it's not the advice we would give to others. It's what I teach my son and my daughter at five and three. It's just the the basic, the basic Batman line. And it's son, why do we fall? So we can learn so we can mm-hmm. learn how to get back up. Mm-hmm. Right. Boy, they are very lucky children to have you as a dad. I, yes. I just, I hope you don't mind me saying so. And that's that. from the heart. My last question for you, our last question for you, what is your why? Why? Why do all this? What keeps you motivated? What keeps you moving? Uh, it's, ba- it, it's what my grandfather taught me and that's everyone's story matters. You know, it's mm. so much bigger than barbecue. The reason why I lean into storytelling is understanding that all of us have incredible people in our lives that we love and we care about and we cherish and we take their stories for granted. And I don't want people to take their stories for granted. When we go for Thanksgiving or Christmas or any of these holidays, when we're sitting with our loved ones, if we act like a reporter or we act like a journalist, instead of acting like a loved one that rolls our eyes because we've heard that story so many times and we record that content for the future generations, it's not for thousands of views or hundreds of thousands of views. It's for the next generation. You know, my grandfather took the time to share his life work into a book, and I was fortunate to help him with that. And because he did that, his book is now in that village, the village that he grew up in. Wow. There's a boy in Bulgaria that can read my grandfather's story and know that life is bigger than just his village. He just made me want to cry. <laughs> So will there be will, will there be blah, 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 will will there be more Cali barbecues in the future? Will you open more shops? Will you will you go national? Will you open in other states? Will you open in Dallas? Will you open in Texas? What are your thoughts? We will open internationally. I mean, we're changing the model of how you do restaurants, and we're creating a hub and spoke model where you have one master smokehouse, and then you can have distribution sites. So what we're doing now, people in Australia have reached out to me, people, you know, in different parts of the world that own barbecue restaurants that want to do things differently and be more profitable um, and be able to spend time with their families and loved ones. Um, They're interested in leveraging technology to help them get slow food fast. You know, it's all about craft food. Right. How do you leverage technology to get people barbecue on their terms? You know, not making people come to brick and mortar businesses and wait in line. So how do you get more barbecue to more people? My own observation is that barbecue really is not as, uh, as uh, it's not proliferated as much as it could. Yep. There's a whole lot of space out there, especially internationally yep. for American barbecue. Yep. So in a few years, we're going to expect to see Cali barbecue all Mm -hmm. over the world. That's the plan. And in a few weeks, expect to see me at the at the location in Spring Valley because I still have a gift certificate. And Ah, you're taking me with you, right? Because now I want barbecue and toast. There you go. You'll get some (laughs) toast. I have a craving for both right this minute. Ribs and toast. There you go. Sean Walchef, we can't, we can't, we cannot thank you enough for joining us today and for for bringing us onto our own path or leading us to our own path in podcasting. It's been a real business changer for us, and I I have so much to learn from you. Yes, we've only just begun. Video, 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 video. video. 
And I'm sorry for geeking out during your intro, but I really was geeking out over you oh. and some of the amazing people that I, you've yes. have been I have work, to pinch my, with. I have to pinch myself as well. I mean, those those people, their PR teams are reaching out to us to be on our show. I mean, it's it's incredible. I love that. And I love Rob Dreideck particularly, especially the show Ridiculousness. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, he's, uh, he's very impressive. Very. Thank you so much. You're impressive. Thank you for joining us. Great. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for feeding us. Ooh, I like that. I just made that up. <laughs> very good. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. Stay engaging.